What's up, stoners? Welcome back to another episode of That Bud Tender Podcast. I'm your host, Bianca. I am already pretty fucking toasty. I Let's get right into it. What am I smoking? What am I smoking? What am I smoking? I am smoking a train wreck infused culotto live resin diamonds pre-roll. So it's a live resin diamond infused pre-roll. I'm so high. I can't even break that down to you right now. I I just, I know there's a lot of concentrates happening in here. What are we looking? Oh my God, 32% THC. Total cannabinoids. Okay, so this is what I've said before, people. I look for the TC, your total cannabinoids. 37.4%. Pardon. That means that, oh shit, I'm doing math right now, 5.2% of the content in this flower is going to be other cannabinoids and delicious things that give me this really pleasant high. I actually can put this down right now. I'm super excited about today's show. Um, Today I'm sitting with my friend Tracy Munnerlin. Munnerlin. I love that last name. I feel like Munnerlin. It just uh, rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? They're amazing. They work on the social media side for cannabis. So Tracy, (laughs) Tracy has the pleasure of creating some really sick content for cannabis companies. But Tracy also has the due diligence and the responsibility to constantly make sure that none of the followers are, I don't think they could be under 21, frankly. I don't even, I I think even like 18 is too young. And just monitoring and censoring and dealing with censorship from Instagram. I mean, if you follow cannabis content creators on the app, they're constantly complaining about the platform and the censorship. And it is really ridiculous. Like, I'm not even breaking the law. None of us are breaking the law. That's what's so crazy. It's just fucking weird. It's weird. And there's also a huge bias, too in my opinion, and I think a lot of people would agree with me as far as like who kind of gets to post and who doesn't. And so we'll get into all of that with Tracy. Take a listen. I'm going to stop talking now. Happy Friday. Enjoy the weekend. Love you, my babies. This episode is brought to you by X-Tabs by Kikoko. Want to get high without smoking? Check out Kikoko's new high-dose X-Tabs. Swallowable tablets dosed at 30 and 50 milligrams THC. These Indica X-Tabs are for the experienced canosaur. They're awesome for cerebral voyaging, the ultimate chill-out, obliterating pain, and deep sleep. The tabs also contain terpenes for that full-spectrum Indica expectation. Check out Kikoko.com for X-Tab delivery using code BUDTENDER15 or to find at select dispensaries throughout California. I told myself I could smoke this blunt.
for being here. Thank you for sitting in my windowless apartment right now and just going with the flow. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Let's get into it. What was your perception of cannabis as a kid growing up? Because correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you also go to like a very Catholic school? I went to a Christian school from kindergarten all the way through my senior year of high school. Yeah, my parents are active in the church. My dad's a deacon. Um, my mom counts the money, you know. She's like the accountant for the church. So yeah, so they're deep in there. But my parents are super cool and they, they're very easygoing people. They're very, they're great. But as far as my perception of weed, like growing up and as a kid, I feel like I really didn't have one. I never thought about it. I feel like I was probably growing up during like the whole dare thing in the 90s, you know? I guess, quote, lucky enough to like not really be exposed to quote drugs. Like when I was young, you know what I mean? I feel like I really wasn't exposed to weed probably until the first time I smoked it. Which was when? I was, I can't remember exactly what grade I was in, but at the time when I was in high school, I was working as like a, a busser slash like register person or whatever at this like deli slash bar okay. in my hometown of Akron, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was mostly run by women. The women that ran it were kind of rough around the edges, so to speak. Like they were always like drinking on the job and like going out back to smoke. They invited me back to smoke a blunt one day. And I want to say maybe I was like in the 10th or maybe 11th grade. So they're like, do you want to come back to smoke? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm down. So I act like I know what I'm doing. You know, I get in the back seat of this woman's car. They hand me the blunt. And I remember thinking like, don't hit it too hard because you've never smoked before and you don't know what this is going to be like. But like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm apparently like hitting it hella hard. And I remember sitting in the back seat and not being able to feel my legs. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. And we got out of the car and like, I was fucked up. I was fucked up and I went in and I'm standing behind the bar, like trying to act normal, trying to read a magazine. And like all of the words were like swimming all over the page. I felt like everyone was looking at me, but I'm also just like, that seems very strong (laughs) (laughs) for like, I don't know, even just like to hit a blunt a couple times, like the first time. So part of me was always like, there could have been something in that blunt. I wouldn't have put it past these women. Like I said, they were pretty hardcore. You know what I mean? Like, do you think they would have given you a laced blunt as a teenager and like some kind of sick joke? Because that's a normally people say I didn't really feel anything. I was confused or like, sure, the jello legs like there are certain things for sure. But like, yeah, you you really felt that. Yeah, I agree, especially after hearing other people talk about their first time smoking and they're like, oh, I didn't really get that high. Or just like you said, you know, but I was like very fucking high. (laughs) And the fact that like when I looked down at that magazine and the words were like floating around, like I've never had that experience on weed ever again, you know? And so, and I was like paranoid, hella paranoid. And I remember just saying to them, oh, I have a headache. And we had like a back dining room and I was like, I'm just going to go like, just like sit down and put my head down on the table. And my dad came to pick me up. And I remember the drive home, which was literally maybe a five minute drive, felt like it took forever. It felt like we were just driving in circles. And I think my dad was probably like, what's wrong with you? And I was just like, I have a headache, you know? And I don't know. I want to say that I might've been in like the 10th or the 11th grade. And I really didn't smoke again until I was in college. And even then it was definitely like, it was definitely because everybody else was doing it, you know? And I remember like the first couple times I was paranoid and I was like, this is not it. (laughs) 
but then I don't know. I it grew on me. Like I I remember like not really liking the taste. Okay. You know, or, or the flavor, like right when I first started smoking. Like when I first started smoking, it was not like this is it. Like mm. I love weed. Like it took time for me, I guess. I mean, I don't know if that sounds bad. Like I just kept doing it until I liked it, but like <laughs> I did. That's that's how that's how it happened for me. I mean, thank God that you did, right? Because now you have your own relationship with it and it aids you in different ways and we can get into that. So you kept going, you push, you push through essentially. And now you're at a place, how would you describe your relationship with cannabis? My relationship has a lot more respect in it as, as it does for, for most plant medicines and psychedelics now, because even when I was like smoking weed in college, I was also just like eating a lot of psychedelics with like not much respect for it or intention behind it. I think I might have said to you like off mic earlier that I really like ritual. And so for me, like it, it has a lot to do with ritual. My partner, Sasha is like the resident blunt roller in our home. And so it's just ritual for her to roll a blunt for us at the end of the night, but also because it helps me sleep also because it quells my anxiety. You know what I mean? Having gone through like my own drug related issues in the past, like weed and plant medicines in general have just never done me dirty. You know, they are supportive. I mean, sure, I've had some experiences where I was too high and I was, you know, or I was like out in public too high or whatever. But I feel like I am a much better person for having cannabis to be that medicine that I needed. I also suffer from like sciatic pain. And I feel like having a good indica is really helpful for that sort of thing. Not to mention how helpful CBD is. You know what I mean? I've I've had countless CBD products, you know, some that worked, some that didn't. But when you like find a CBD product that really works on like deep pain that you have, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Like how could you not love this plant? When we were all going through quarantine last year and just chilling on the couch and in the bed and really my favorite activities, I felt okay mentally. But physically, I started to develop some sciatica. And I was like, oh my God, what the fuck is this? I can't believe I'm waking up in pain. Thank God, like, now that things, you know, have progressed and I'm moving again. And I actively was like, okay, I'm going to start stretching. And then I started using um, CBD and THC infused topicals to treat it that it's better. But... Like, my heart goes out to people who have chronic pain and just wake up in pain and have to, like, deal with it throughout the day. And it's especially something like that, like, in your back, in your body, in your legs. Like, oh, my God. Like, if you are, like, fully 100%, like, healthy, like, you're waking up feeling good, like, that alone is a blessing. Like, you started the day, like, Mm -hmm. blessed. 100%. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... On top of cannabis, there's like a number of other tinctures that, you know, I've depended on in the past or presently to help with anxiety, with depression, with inflammation and stuff. I think I was telling you earlier off mic about how um, I'm trying to get some stinging nettle instead of taking ibuprofen Mm -hmm. for my sciatica because I tend to wake up in pain. And throughout the day I have pain, like I'm sitting in an office chair and especially during fucking quarantine yeah. like sitting on the couch all day just smoking and watching game of thrones yeah. 
did not help my sciatica at all. I feel like Sasha and I would have like our daily like 3 p.m. nap. Mm. <laughs> and we would always get in bed with some like fucking true crime. Yeah. And that is not helpful for sciatica either. <laughs> So most definitely like plant medicines and definitely cannabis. Like now I have a more respectful relationship with it, but I also use it recreationally. Like that's not to say that I'm always just like, I'm just taking this micro dose of THC and CBD to help my sciatica. Like I like to be high. I like to be stoned, you know? And I also have always, always loved the fact that like, whether you're doing it alone, but more so when you're doing it with like one other person or with a group of people, like people have been sitting around and smoking weed for so long. And I can remember a very vivid memory of being in college and I was in our bedroom and like, it was like a one bedroom apartment, but we had like twin beds in there. So it was me and my old roommate and we were lying in our respective beds, but there was like some space between us and we were passing this joint back and forth. And I was like, man, people have been doing this for so long, man. You know, it was like one of those moments, but I've always felt that way. Like, People from all cultures, uh, you know, have been smoking weed and yeah. sitting around and talking about sad stuff and happy stuff and like celebrating with mm-hmm. weed and being, you know, yeah. like all of that, yeah. you know, and all of, I mean, obviously you can misuse weed it can become too much and you need, and sometimes you need to take breaks. It's been a minute since I've taken a tolerance break, but I entirely like, I stand tolerance breaks, mm-hmm. you know, and like not always being stoned or always being medicated and being able to like take on things throughout the day without like this buffer on, you know? Mm-hmm. Understandably, if you have physical pain, that may not be a choice, you know? Yeah. But if you don't and you're simply doing it recreationally and you're not depending on it for anxiety or depression, then like taking tolerance breaks is necessary and helpful. Well, I feel the same as far as like I definitely still smoke weed recreationally. I love to be high. Mm -hmm. It does help with my social anxiety. It does help with my migraines when that happens. Mm -hmm. It helps with my cramps. It like, it just helps with everything. So there's a, for me, I feel like there's always a reason to self medicate. Uh, (laughs) But I can also appreciate like, there are other things that like get me off on life, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And we were talking we were talking about earlier uh dancing and you were talking about dancing being like one of the most freeing forms of expression and it really is Mm -hmm. and there's something to say about these things that we do collectively that we do across cultures Mm -hmm. that you know where it is like these are just human things Mm -hmm. this is what we do this is what we do this (laughs) like this is how we get down like Mm -hmm. we like to dance we like to smoke weed we love to sing sing. like yeah yeah. paint all of it for sure cannabis has been one of the biggest connectors when it comes to like making friends or like meeting lovers or like whatever it is you know like if i if i meet someone like a coworker, depending like if i was working at a restaurant chances are everybody was smoking weed for sure (laughs) but um you know if you meet someone in life and and they're like do you smoke and you're like yeah and it's like okay well you want to smoke like that's how you you start the hangout you know what i mean and obviously it's not necessary to have a connection with someone but this thing has been connecting people for forever and if there's one thing that everybody wants whether they want to admit it or not it's connection and like weed brings people together period period you know it's like oh i got this edible do you want some now both of us are high as fuck at the movies you know what i'm saying like (laughs) 
It's a connector. It's a it's a connector and a, and a, a needed to be respected plant medicine, which I think I have much more respect for it obviously now than I did when I was in college and just like smoking and like hitting fucking six foot bongs for yeah. no real reason, you know. Yeah. I think like that probably has a lot to do with why I feel the way I feel about like dabs and stuff now, because it's just like calm down, like you're getting a lot all at once. <laughs> Can you down. can you even navigate <laughs> like, this right now? Yeah. It's like the difference between, I mean, like DMT and ayahuasca. Mm. Like, you know, and I've never done either. I've only read yeah. reports. I am not an expert on DMT or ayahuasca. <laughs> I am simply well read on the subject. Yeah. So, um, you know, you do DMT and it's this 15 minute intense trip, but you do ayahuasca and it's a very intentional hopefully somewhat navigable experience, mm-hmm. you know? And so to like smoke some flour, you know what I mean? In a joint or a blunt or a bowl or a bubbler is very, very different from like having to heat up this concentrate mm-hmm. at this ungodly fucking level <laughs> of temperature, you know, like, and just like getting this crazy blast of THC <laughs> that's gonna like make me cough and my eyes water <laughs> and like be dumb for a while you know yeah. like sometimes yeah you want to get yeah. dumb totally 100% but calm down everybody <laughs> and I think I'm just showing my age but I don't give a fuck whatever <gasps> that's how I feel about the dabs man like I can't remember the last time I took a dab really seriously and probably I'm good because every time I'm just like my throat I'm good nah I'm good <coughs> I'm okay oh yeah <laughs> I love that it's like, and you know what? Probably I'm good. Like, even if you could offer me a dab right now, I don't fucking want it. I'm like, <laughs> I want to talk about your experience over at um, Urba. Is it Urba Markets or Urba Market? I think it's Urba Markets. It's with an S, with an S. Yeah. Um, which is a very popular shop. As the receptionist there, what a fun perspective to have because you're still engaging with the consumer. You're still getting perks of working at a dispensary, a.k.a. free weed, yeah. and, and meeting cool people. But you also don't have to deal with a lot of the crazy mm-hmm. conversations that take place on yeah. the sales floor. Yeah. yeah, what was that like over there? Um, I liked working there. I had a good time working there. I worked there, I want to say, in 2018, so it's been a minute. Yeah. Um, but when I first started working there, it was medical only. It was before everything went recreational. So it was... It's a, it, it was on the smaller side, and there were a lot of older patients that would come in from the area. But as things changed in the industry and things moved from medical to recreational, the literal structure of Herba changed. Like they knocked down the wall that separated the lobby from the main showroom. And it was this huge, big, bright, kind of loud, boisterous, like Mm -hmm. farmer's market of weed, which was really dope. There were like, I don't even remember how many necessarily, but around the perimeter of the store, there were different booths for different cannabis brands. And there would be flour, there would be pens, there would be edibles, and they would have representatives that would be there every day working the booths so that when you came in, like if you wanted to talk to someone from Bloom Farms or you wanted to talk to someone from Humboldt or whatever they had, you know, there would be a brand ambassador there who you could purchase from. But then in the center of the store was where like the Herba flour was, 
was and like a bunch of other products too where the bud tenders were right and so I feel like I got to see so much because they they took that wall down and I could just watch everybody else work right And like you said, I was just the receptionist. Well, not just the not receptionist. Just. I know. I can't no. believe I said that. But I was a, re- a receptionist there. So you're right. I didn't have to deal with, like, the retail side of it. Not until the end when they started making us, like, check cash people out, which, mm. whatever. But I didn't have to deal with that as much with people's crazy. And I definitely feel like Herba experienced a very special kind of crazy because of its location. Yeah. Because it was, like, at the corner of Pico and Sentinella. And close to the beach, we got a lot of tourists. Mm. So once it was recreational and all you needed was an ID to come in, we were getting people from everywhere. I mean, like mad people from out of the country. And so as a receptionist, I have to enter in all this new patient information. And it's, it was ridiculous. Like there was, it was every, like every single person who came in was a new patient because they were just a tourist, you know? And then you would get like a Japanese passport or a Japanese, and you have to like, and you're like, I don't know what's the first name or the last name or, and I don't want to ask. Wait, yeah. Literally. literally. The anxiety, <laughs> as an anxious person, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I don't know if this is the first or the last name because I don't even know where this ID is from. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, working with the system that we were using to input people's IDs, sometimes that would be fucked up because they didn't know how to take, like, a foreign ID or whatever. Yeah. So, like, that would be frustrating and like it was great working in a dispensary in general like you're right I got tons of free cannabis you know when people would come in to do PADs we would have you know quote outdated product Mm. we would have samples that people would drop off whatever it was I was always coming home with weed me and my partner very rarely had to purchase weed when I was working there I was also getting like a a tip tipped out at the end of the night and they were paying us really generously because Mm. as it turned recreational that meant that then like Things were different with the money, so they gave us an increase. Um, And so, like, financially, it was super lucrative. I didn't have to pay for weed. I met some really great people there. Like you said, like, most of the bud tenders were significantly younger than me and so and single at that. So there was a lot of their drama that I got to just, like, listen in on and laugh at. So, yeah, like, I had a good time for the most part while I was working there. But there were some frustrating parts that happen at any, you know, dispensary or any yeah. place of business that mm-hmm. come come with it, you know, and not necessarily, like, agreeing with how things are being run. Yeah. And I also feel like just in general, as a whole, the cannabis industry, as far as, like, storefront retail goes, mm-hmm. they all look like... Apple stores, they look like med men, you know, and it's nice when you go into a really nice dispensary and like you can look at these things in these nice display cases. But honestly, I just miss being able to go into a dispensary and take the lid off of the fucking mason jar and sniff the bud and look at it. And luckily, not every one of them has been shut down. Every once in a while, you'll find a new one and it's like, nice. (laughs) Bless you, you know. But I remember, you know, when they were everywhere and that was that was where you got your weed and then herba very much so fashioned itself along with the rest of the new dispensaries that were opening up especially ones that are chains like sweet flower or yeah. herbarium yeah. Med, you know medmen obviously all of those they all look very much the same on the inside and like i mean i don't know i mean i don't typically shop at those spaces i usually get weed delivered nowadays and like me and my partner well my partner grew weed last summer in our backyard and we literally just finished the weed that that we had harvested from that so that took that carried us for a while so I think I think she went and got some some weed last night for like the first time in in a good minute but there's something to be said about you know the small dispensaries where you learn the bud tenders names Mm -hmm. 
and they know your name and they know what you like and they remember what you got the last time as opposed to going into these places that are just like at this point they're like tourist attractions because they're so big or they're so bright or they're they've got so much shit and it's like the butt tender isn't going to know your name because they've seen 400 people today. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're yeah. not going to remember your order and it doesn't matter to them and they don't care. Mm-hmm. Or worse, they're not very knowledgeable about flour. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I do miss that even though I had only moved to L.A. like right before that ended. Like I still got to taste that and then see how things shifted when things yeah. turned recreational. And unfortunately, like capitalism kills the soul and it mm-hmm. definitely killed many souls at Herba, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and even more far reaching. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I had a good time working there, but if someone offered me that job back as chill as it was, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think that I would want to be in that environment anymore. I work with weed now in the way that I do and I dig it, Yeah. you know? Well, a couple of things. I'm glad you got a taste of it. I'm glad you got to experience those Prop uh, 215 days mm-hmm. because they were the good old days. Mm-hmm. I, I've just never seen an industry transform so quickly, so just so fast before all of our eyes like were with it. Like, <laughs> literally, like, it was insane. So... I think few people have been able to say like, oh, I've experienced that in big picture. Mm -hmm. So I think it's cool that, Mm -hmm. that you also got that. Um, but let's talk about how you work with weed today because that comes with its own challenges, Mm -hmm. its own benefits for sure, for Mm -hmm. sure. But some very unique challenges too, that are really that just pertain to like people in the cannabis space creating content right. and managing social media platforms for cannabis companies. Currently, I am a social media community manager for Hotline Agency, which is a <laughs> is a black-owned, queer-owned uh, PR creative agency in Los Angeles, California. Um, and we don't only focus on cannabis products, but when I first uh, came on with the team, what, three months ago, yeah. we'll say, well, the biggest account that I was working on was for Green Monkey, which mm-hmm. is a um, infused soda mm-hmm. um, with three milligrams of THC and six milligrams of CBD. And so it's been my job to kind of man the Instagram yeah. for that team and make the product look great and make people want to follow the page and share the posts and engage with the people who are engaging with the posts and grow, you know, all of these things <laughs> along with my coworkers, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just me. It's a whole team of us that have to be working yeah. on this sort of thing to get it, to get it to go where it's got to go. And this is my first time really working in like PR and social media in this way. So I feel really lucky firstly to have the team that I have that's been like, Super has my back every time if I have a question or anything like that. I don't ever feel like I'm not like set up for success by my team. Like I've never felt like that. Um, But I also feel like just also kind of having grown up with the internet, like the internet like happened when I was like a teenager, like it started when I was a teenager. And so I've seen this evolution of all of these different social media platforms. And granted, like I'm no TikTok master. In any capacity. I'm not on Twitter. Like, I have a profile, but I'm not on Twitter. You know what I mean? I don't really know how to use Clubhouse aside from listening to other people. You know (laughs) what I mean? But, like, Facebook and Instagram and even further back, like, MySpace and Zanga and LiveJournal and all those things, like, I feel like I've always been around those things. And so jumping into it 
from an aesthetic perspective to amplify the voice of a brand, it didn't seem like it was going to be super hard work. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't been hard work, but you're right. It comes with its own challenges. And specifically, like, this particular brand is a newer brand. So it hasn't been around for forever. It didn't already have a dedicated following. It wasn't in, in, you know, in many dispensaries or delivery services. So it's like working with that, the fact that it's not necessarily widely available to everyone, you know? So you're kind of like yelling into the void when you, it feels like anyway, that you're yelling into the void when you put a post up about this drink that like nobody has really been able to drink because it's Mm -hmm. only available in so many places, but then you just have to be put in this position to be like, okay, what do I have to do to make it seem like this is something that people want to drink mm-hmm. and that they should be like, well, where can I get it? And then be like, well, this should be here. You know, it should be at this dispensary, be at this delivery service or whatever. So like that has proven itself challenging. I'm sure it would have been easier to like jump in to run the Instagram of the product that was already like going and already had a fan base and things like that. Even little things like if it's not really out in the stores, then a lot of people aren't purchasing it and then posting it in their Instagram story so that I can repost it in our story. So having to come up with content on my own and then also working with other content creators to come up with really dope content has been really cool. And I really feel grateful that I've been able to mix my love of cannabis with my love of fucking around on the Internet, with my love of being creative. Essentially, that's what I'm doing. You know, it's like, I like weed. I like Instagram. I like being creative. Okay. (laughs) And I'm really grateful and lucky that I was able to land on a job that incorporated all of those things. And also working for a Black-owned, queer-owned company, you know, and like, it's been good to, again, just put all those things together and not have to just do one and be like, dang, I wish I could still do this though. And obviously like I am not just cannabis and the in- and Instagram and like wanting to be creative. There are right. other parts of me, but when it comes to like how I want to make my money, like mm-hmm. that feels good to me. I enjoy what I'm doing. Sometimes it can be a little tedious when it comes to like analytics and like, mm-hmm. you know, having calls with clients and things like that. Like the more businessy side of things yeah. can be a little, a little off-putting, I suppose. Yeah. But like you need the structure in order for things to like really churn out the way that they need to, you know? Yeah. So like, yeah, being able to put all those things together, I'm really grateful to have been able to do that. And even the challenges haven't felt like colossal challenges. I feel like my team has been able to like put their heads together and like come up with some sort of strategy or also just working with a team where I feel like I can be honest about how I feel about what I'm working on or about this thing that I'm doing, you know, being able to communicate that to my team and they can jump in and go, well, hey, I have this idea since this is stumping you. And so for me, working in the PR creative side of cannabis so far has been really great. That may not be the story for everybody because I definitely know people who have worked in cannabis in like the PR side, the media side, and it was not a good experience for them for like major companies, you know? Um, But I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones. (laughs) Well, you and I both started around the same time, very similar story, like never worked in PR before, just worked in cannabis, coming like with this different background. First of all, you're a champ and you're also so polite. You're like, I guess it's like not the best, you know, to be in like whatever the meetings. I'm just sitting there like brooding, like this fucking sucks. Like I hate it. I hate talking to clients, like just such a Debbie Downer. Um, But with that being said, like the way you describe that, that environment is so on point. 
um, incredibly supportive, incredibly open minded and just always felt very like you said I was being set up for success they want us Mm -hmm. to succeed whether that's within hotline or without hotline I jumped in and I feel like for me it was like okay well because originally I went for your job I went for your position. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they met us both and were like, hey, I think you'll actually be better on the PR side. And I think they nailed it. I think they really called that um, correctly. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's hard for me. I, I miss being around cannabis. Mm-hmm. Like, it's cool that, yes, we're representing cannabis clients. And like, I'm so happy that I was able to work with Willow, mm-hmm. which is a female-owned, bicultural-led mm-hmm. uh, cannabis company. And there were great opportunities that came from this, but I, I, miss, I miss the weed. Mm-hmm. I miss working directly with cannabis, I think. The cannabis adjacent is really cool and it's super creative, and, I, and I'm grateful for that. But yeah, I'm like where are my samples? Like, what the fuck? Like, where the fuck are my samples at? I don't have my pick of, like, every strain in the store. What? Like, jumping back into the workforce and trying something new, very aware of, like, the many blessings. Many, many blessings. No, I I totally get that point. Because, like, I like people. You do. More than I do, I think. I don't Um. know, because you want to work with the people in cannabis <laughs> and I prefer not to because like I've always worked in customer service, yeah. the food service industry, whether I was like a cashier or I was a server or a barista mm-hmm. or, you know, a, a receptionist, wherever I was, yeah. you know, I was always like working with people face to face with the customer mm-hmm. and that shit can really drain the shit out of you like having to always be polite and the customer is always right you know and dealing with people who are complaining and especially like I said when I were when I was working at Urba the location gave it its own sprinkle of crazy sometimes you know um there was one uh, occasion where both of the security guards were tackling some guy like there were several bouts of violence on the urban grounds that i remember and it was horrific you know it was crazy like i'd never seen that kind of thing before and i was like this is crazy and it had nothing to do with the weed aspect it was just you know this gentleman was not stable and we all had to bear witness, yeah. you know what I mean? Or people who know that the dispensary closes at 10, mm-hmm. but they like to show up at 9.57 mm-hmm. and then take for fucking ever to decide to get the same thing that they get oh every fucking my week. God. So yes. I'm just like, that shit pisses me off. It makes me a not nice person because yeah. I was literally, I, I'm pretty sure Herba closed at like nine or 10, either way, 10 minutes before close, like I was not nice <laughs> yeah. at all. So if you ever went into Herba 10 minutes before close, you did not see the best Tracy no. <laughs> because fuck all of y'all. Like yeah. we're trying to like clean up and get the hell out of here, you know? Yeah. And so like things like that and just like dealing with, with patients who were unruly, mm-hmm. like literally unruly, like they would come in with no ID and it was like, you know what? We're not in a place right now where I can just let you in without your ID because you need to get scanned in and if you don't have your ID you cannot come in but they're yelling at me and they want to speak to the manager Mm -hmm. who at the time was a black woman and it was so funny when people would be like I want to talk to your manager and then here outside this black woman and 
<laughs> they're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Who would say the same thing that I said? Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like sometimes the stress of working with people mm. was a lot for me. And so even in the position that I held before I was at Hotline and before quarantine, when I was working at Second Home, mm. which is the co-working space that Hotline Agency works out of, I started off as... I, was the, I worked at the front desk first. I eventually got promoted to front of house manager, mm. which was great because I didn't have to deal with the people mm. anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's different when you're, it's one thing to be working at you know, a drive-through where you'll see these people, but you may not see them again for another week or another two weeks and you're not gonna remember them, right? Yeah. It's very different to be working the front desk at a members only co-working mm. space where you have to be nice to these people because you're gonna see them every single day. You're gonna mm. like, develop relationships with these people regardless of whether you want to or not yeah. so that's not my game you know yeah. like I people get on my nerves a lot of yeah. the time and so not having to necessarily deal with the public has been nice but also being able to get some like cool samples from the from the cannabis products that we do yeah. um you know work with has been cool but I 100% hear you <laughs> it would be great if I could get a job again that would give me all the weed all the time but <laughs> You know, those were those blessings then, so yeah. I guess I have other blessings yeah. now, you know? But for sure, I feel you on the free weed, 100%. Listen, an infused chili sauce, an infused uh, sesame seed oil, fabulous. I'm so glad I got to try them. So glad I got to try them. Is that gonna sustain me? No. Probably not, unfortunately not. Yeah. I already know the answer, but still appreciative. I had a moment maybe last night or, no, it was the my last day at Hotline. That night where I was like, damn, working with the public though, <laughs> it gets pretty crazy it really gets pretty does. fucking gnarly sometimes <laughs> and i'm like am i just like sabotaging myself because i'm so used to a certain type of environment that now when i'm in like a nice supportive loving environment i'm like what like, what, is what is this i don't yeah where's the trauma yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't make sense everyone says excuse me and thank right. you and like I'm just so lost in no, the sauce. I, I get it. And I think that working with the public in cannabis has its own benefits. Most definitely 100%. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like getting to meet the patients that come in, getting to meet folks from even like when I was working at Urba, as much as those people would be annoying sometimes, like I would meet great people. I would meet interesting people, people who were out of their fucking minds, yeah. you know, that did me no harm, but it was just like, bro, really? Like I remember once this girl came in with this dude, she looked not underage, but she was very young, very young compared to the guy that she came yeah. in with. And they both seemed kind of sketchy. Ew. And so he came in and he went in to get like weed or whatever. She didn't have her ID, so she just like hung out at the front yeah. by me. Great. And she was fucked up on something. I don't know, man. She was, she was out of it, right? Yeah. And so I was just being nice, you know, and like having small talk with her. And she was like, when do you get off? And I was like, oh, I probably got like another two hours or so. And she was like, well, do you want a Xanax or like a Tylenol 3 to get you Ooh. through? I got you. And I was like, wow, I don't do those drugs no more. <laughs> Thank you. But no, I mean, what kind of like, who, what? <laughs> like randomly just at the front desk, you want a Tylenol 3 or a Xanax? I was like, baby girl. <laughs> I'm okay. I got a pen. It's cool. I'm gonna smoke this pen. I'm good. Thank you. Like, appreciate your concern, but 
Well, we used to have a gentleman come in and he, instead of leaving us cash as a tip, he would leave us Norcos. <laughs> and when he would come in, it was like Santa. So I'd just be like, la, 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 like just got a full bag of this. Thank you so much. Like the shit does go down, shit. Yeah. But for the most part, for the most part, um, no, not really into those shenanigans. The Tylenol 3, though, is hilarious. Like, she was like, if you don't want the Zanny, yeah, I'll get you there how I can get you there. But she wanted to take you somewhere. I don't know what. Yeah. You did something in cannabis as well that I've never had the opportunity to do, but it sounds kind of like I mean, I know it comes with its own shit, but trimming, mm. like that sounds beautiful to be able to be, I, w- I always call it upstate, although it's like NorCal, right. but yeah, to be like up in fucking this literal land that is known for producing like the best cannabis in the world yeah. and, to, and then to live off that farm and to work with mm. the flower, like it sounds like a dream. What, how is that for you? Um, it was definitely, I mean, I hate to sound cliche, but it was for sure like life changing. I had moved to LA probably about a year, maybe not even a year before going up to NorCal to trim. It was a friend of my partner's. They lived on their parents' land and they had a, a whole hillside just covered in plants. It was so beautiful. And I'd also never been up north before. So I hadn't seen that version of California yet. Um, And we went in November. So it was the rainy season, which came with its own issues, you know, but we packed heavy. They gave us their pop-up camper to stay in. It had electricity, like not a crazy amount, but like we had like a a crock pot that we could plug in and we had like a heater, like a heater in there and stuff. And it was me and my partner and then our good friend Pooja. So the three of us were in there. I want to say Pooja only stayed for two weeks while Sasha and I stayed for four. Um, So it was me and Pooja and Sasha in the pop-up camper. And then there were some other friends of the person who was living on the land there that would come every day at like eight in the morning. Like we'd wake up with the sun and we'd all, we were in these, um, what do you want to call them? Like storage containers kind of, you know? And after it was harvested, you know, like it, there was just like turkey bags full of weed, you know, or actually, no, the weed itself was like in these big, like, uh, what do you call like them? The black containers. Yeah, like yeah. the big black containers with the big yellow lids, you know? Yeah. And so all day long, from sunup to sundown, essentially, we would just sit there around a table and just like trim. And it was like, like I said, it came with its own challenges. It was November, it was cold, yeah. you know? So like your fingers would get cold sometimes because we were in a fucking shipping container. Yeah. So it like didn't really hold heat that well. Mm-hmm. We had these heaters that had fans on them, but it didn't help, you know, greatly. But also, it's not like we were complaining about it. Like we were sitting around. Yeah in the forest in Northern California, trimming bud, talking, snacking, yeah. smoking, yeah. like what's there to complain about, exactly. you know? And so like sitting around all day with those people from these different backgrounds was really great. And like just being in this new environment was really great. Like I've definitely made a couple friends that I still talk to, um, at least one for sure. We also got to spend Thanksgiving with the family up there and that was really great, you know? It was cold and it was wet, like, yeah. but, and, and like, I remember like the actual bathroom was like a good 10 minute walk away, like in the main house where we could shower and stuff. But I remember it, the time away, 
teaching us to live more simply. Like we came back and we were just like, why do we have a microwave? And we like threw our microwave away. Cause like we didn't have a microwave the whole time we were there, you know? And we threw our microwave away and we kind of um, readopted our vegetarian diet again. And it just felt easier to do after pretty much having like a month detox yeah. from all the trash and shit that yeah. comes with living in LA. Yeah. You know, the air was probably a lot fresher. We were eating a lot healthier. We were probably drinking more water and just waking up with the sun and going to sleep with the moon. You know, so I feel like a being able to experience that side of cannabis before things turned recreational, where groups of people could come together to just sit around and trim this medicine was really great. Getting away from L.A. for a month was really great. I feel like it restructured some things like it wasn't always easy, but it was fun the whole time. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it was fun the whole time, even when it was like kind of difficult because it was cold, it was cold Mm -hmm. or we'd get back to the pop-up camper at night and we would have to like look around for spiders and like we were in the woods, you know? So like we would hear all sorts of shit and like, I love to camp and stuff. So it was kind of just like an extended camping trip, which was great. That's just like, sounds like such a dream. Yeah. To live simply. That was something that I always really appreciated growing up in the DR is like getting that perspective of mm. a very simple yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. To balance out the whole New York yes. side. Yeah. That balance, especially like we live in LA and everything's moving all the time. And like, yeah, we live in California and things are leisurely and it's sunny and you can go to the beach and like everything's yeah. pretty fucking chill. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I, it's pretty fucking chill out here, yeah. but like everything's always going and the smog is a lot and the traffic mm-hmm. is a lot. I feel like because LA does not experience seasons in the same way that say like Ohio where I'm from or New York, you know, experiences them, people don't get cues from nature to slow down. It always looks the same here. Like there's no way you're gonna look at a photo and be like, that looks like it might've been November. Yeah, no. Because it's gonna look the same. The sun shines the same all year round almost, you know, aside from like getting less or more of it, depending on whether it's winter or summer, but it's kind of the same all the time, you know? And so I feel like being here in LA, you're almost always on go. Even though it's a chill go, you're always on go because it's always sunny. So why wouldn't you get out of the house? Oh, I had that whole debate with myself yesterday because it was like my first day since ending the contract. And I was like, I just want to chill, even though I have fucking chores that I could be doing. And then to top it off, it's beautiful out. Why aren't you outside? Why aren't you outside? Why are you in your pajamas all day? But it was like, I just wanted to be in my pajamas. Okay. L.A. problem for sure. Oh, my God. Like. It's always sunny outside. There's always people running. There's always people exercising. There's always people working. There's always people Just going, going, going. On. Exactly. Fuck. So it's like very much on that hustle mentality. So it's like no slowing down. But, you know, back on the East Coast, it's like, okay, so fall is coming. Let's start wrapping it up, you guys. You know, and like winter comes and like you stay in your house more. Yeah. You go to sleep more. Like you just, you do these things, but like. As you should. As you should. Yeah. But, and you live, you know. You change how you live according to the season. But that doesn't happen here in L.A. It's always like, mm-hmm. we're going. People are always going to Mexico to go on vacation. Yeah. You know what I mean? People are always, like, at a pool party. Mm-hmm. People are always doing something. Like, COVID aside, there's always something going on. Yeah. And so being able to take that month to just, like, live probably the most simply for the longest amount of time that I ever have mm-hmm. was necessary. Probably be beneficial to do something like that every couple years. You know, just the same as going camping or going on a hike, just getting out of the city. You know, like I love living in the city though, Mm -hmm. but I also love escaping it. I don't think that I could live forever or 
for a majority of my time, like out in the middle of nowhere or like mm. up in NorCal for a variety of reasons or, yeah. you know what I mean? But like, I like, I like convenience and I like yeah. being able to like get shit delivered. Like I recently uh, ran away to the desert for a weekend, a house yes. sit for some friends and just out of curiosity, I was like looking at Postmates to see what it was like. And the delivery fees were like $18.99 because you're in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, ooh, let me never complain again yeah. <laughs> about a $2.99 delivery fee from some spot that's like four miles down the road right. because convenience. And yeah. I do like that shit. But yeah. like, I 100% understand the importance of leaving this man-made environment and yeah. getting back to nature. I feel like, I definitely feel some of my best when there's just like less electricity around. Mm. Like when I was in the desert, I mean, yeah, I was in a neighborhood, but like there was, it was like, you know, it was like a cult. Like I never saw people ever. Yeah. And so there just weren't as many, there's no tall buildings. There's not as much electricity when you're yeah. going camping or you're going hiking. Like when you're in this church of nature, you mm. feel better. And so we were just like living in nature the whole time, mm. whether it was raining, whether it was sunny, whether, you know, it didn't matter we were in the shits, yeah. you know? And so I feel like we were definitely more connected at that time, probably, to nature, you know, which had a positive effect on our lives. Getting out there was definitely an experience that I needed mm -hmm. and definitely an experience that I wish everyone would have been able to have, you know, whether it was like, you know, trimming bud or not. Yeah. <laughs> Just like getting out of here and like going away. Taking a pause, reflecting. Mm -hmm getting away from the screens there's so much screen time in our lives and ultimately connecting with your higher self mm -hmm. like the church of nature and like cannabis is a part of that psychedelics yeah. are a part of that oh, yeah. um yeah i was actually so jealous of your desert trip <laughs> oh it looks so beautiful the house and the pool and it was during the full moon last yes. month yes. yes i was here for it i was like living vicariously through you I was, I was it was beautiful yes you were you were living for everybody you were giving me life <laughs> who knows how many other people you're giving life so. seriously um every episode without fail Oh, and you have the evil eye anklet. Oh, yeah, you know. Yes, cuties. Oh, yeah, you know. I was thinking that recently. I was like, I don't, I need some evil eye jewelry. Yeah. And the fact that it came to mind makes me think that, like, yeah, maybe yeah, I really should yeah. get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something's yeah. going on. Yeah. There's some haters. Or you can just yeah. Like, get it on your nails because they're already blue. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should definitely do that. I like that. Yeah, you could do that yourself. You know what I mean? With like white out. Yeah. And yeah. and a I don't know, a magic marker. Yeah. <laughs> or you could go have them done professionally. I mean, that's a whole ordeal too. <laughs> Although uh, the place that I go to, I their gel manicures are on class pass, so I just use oh. my points on class pass instead of going to like exercise classes. Wow. I just get gel manicures and like massages. Teach their own. You damn right. Teach their own. You feel good. Yeah. Turn is good for your spirit. Like, can't nobody tell me mm -mm. that these little things that we do. No, just you're you're doing great, sweetie. Thank you. I'm living for myself. Exactly. I am not living for anyone else. Right. That's for sure. Yeah. Speaking of that, if you want to talk about it, we can. I, I do want to like acknowledge the fact that you are our first non-binary <laughs> guest on the show. Okay. I think it's important. I think it's important for representation yeah, and. For sure. 
off mic we were talking about you know life and there's so many avenues and living authentically and I look at you and I see someone who is doing that and maybe there are people out there listening we got streaming from like 35 countries all right yeah you're being heard worldwide Um, no pressure (laughs) but like if there is anything whether it's just something that comes through you now that you want to share as far as a message but like I I definitely want to give you the space to to do whatever I think as far as like living in your truth and and being who you want to be even if that person changes Mm -hmm. from time to time Mm -hmm. you know because you are allowed to be whoever you want to be first and foremost and and Really, nobody else is in charge of that except for you. But I think one of the most important parts of standing in your truth and being who you are is being surrounded with people who support you in that no matter what and being respected for it. For instance, like as far as me being non-binary, like I think I've always felt like I existed somewhere in between the two binaries of being male or female, you know, man and woman, or outside of it. And I think, and probably for a lot of people, and not even necessarily with like how they identify, just with life in general, Mm -hmm. having to go into our houses and lock down for a year really gave us all a lot of time to be like, okay, who the fuck am I? Yeah. You know, like... I, I don't have statistics or numbers, but I can guarantee you that mad people came were just like, wow, I'm fucking gay. I'm fucking yeah. queer. I'm fucking trans. I'm fucking non-binary. I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. I like to paint. I like to do this. I, you know, whatever, just discovered things about themselves because they had the time and the space to do it. And so I feel like it was always something that I knew about myself, but also didn't necessarily have the language to put put to it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also interesting because I feel like people, older folks probably, a lot of them are like, everybody wants, you know, is trans or everybody's queer, everybody's this. And it's like, yeah. no, people are just like realizing that there are words that go along with the feelings that they've had this whole fucking time, you know? And so now it's like, oh, that's what that's been, yeah. you know? And so I couldn't tell you the day or the moment when I was like, oh, I don't know why I've been using she, her pronouns for this long. You know what I mean? And I think that um, I didn't think about the fact that I can do what I want and be who I want. um, And I can make up whatever rules I want. But it's also helpful when people around you are like, oh, your pronouns are they, them, he now? No problem. I got you. And follow suit and, you know, respect your pronouns. And even if they fuck up from time to time, they make, you know, a concerted effort to change that behavior. Or even go so far as to simply ask everyone what their pronouns are, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of just assuming based on what someone looks like. Because most people look at me and they're like, oh, that's a black woman. Mm -hmm. And I don't mind looking the way I look. Sometimes I look more masculine than this. Sometimes I don't. You know what I mean? Um, But I'm allowed to do what the fuck I want to do based on how I'm feeling that day. You know? And furthermore, like, to say, like, currently I'm wearing, like, very short shorts and, like, a midriff tank top. Some people would say that those are inherently feminine clothes, but, like, they're just clothes. Right. So when you can think of it like that, but I'm, yes, I feel like, I feel like in order to be your true and authentic self, living your truth is important to have people that can back you. You know, whether they're friends, whether it's a partner, it's if it's your parents and your family, if you're lucky enough to have family that can back that sort of thing for you or, or you know, 
<laughs> not everybody's family. Everybody's not lucky enough to have family that's like okay with it and respects yeah. their pronouns and stuff. So I think, yeah, like support, mm. support, just like, like we were talking about earlier, working for Hotline Agency, everybody is so aware and yeah. sensitive and supportive and respectful and all of those things. If I walked into a new job, my first job after being locked down for a year with new pro pronouns, having never had to really correct people, like that was all a new thing too. Yeah. Like we're in lockdown, so we're not out and about mm -hmm. at all of these places and I'm not interacting with a whole lot of people. Yeah. So in the rare occasion that I did meet someone new and I would have to be like, oh, by the way, if they weren't a queer or like queer minded person, then they would be like, what? I don't understand. And then I'd have to explain this whole thing. And it's it's kind of annoying. It's yeah. like I feel like maybe you should just respect the fact that I'm non-binary mm -hmm. and and call me by by what I prefer you to call me yeah. by. You know, like I don't have to like educate everybody all the fucking time. No. There's Google for that. Um, but yeah, that was a whole different thing like having to when I would think about it being like okay so if I'm at the store or at a restaurant like I went out Friday night and you know the server was like hi ladies to me and my partner and it's like there's something in me that dies every time that happens but also I recognize that like not everybody is thinking about the fact that maybe this person does not identify as a woman and maybe they don't want to be called by feminine pronouns regardless of how they're dressed or regardless of what their face looks like or regardless of what my, my idea of femininity looks like, yeah. you know? Um, and people have been like, well, why don't you correct the server or this or that? And it's like, if I correct every single person that misgenders me, especially out in like a customer service perspective, like, yeah. you know, a cashier or something like that, I'm gonna be interacting with this person for two seconds. You know what I mean? And so it gets to be a little exhausting. Yeah. And like, I don't know if that's sabotaging my own, like people giving me respect by like choosing, but I also feel like I can pick and choose when and how I want to confront this whole thing. Yeah. If I know I'm talking to someone for an extended amount of time, I'll be like, hey, by the way, I'm not she, her, they, them, he works, mm -hmm. you know? But if it's just like somebody, I'm, someone holds the door, here you go, ma'am, I'm not about to be like, how dare you yeah. call me? <laughs> ma'am you don't know me like I'm not about to pop off on somebody they don't know nor did I take the time to explain to them but right. you also shouldn't assume right right, 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 but everybody doesn't understand that yet <laughs> not even all queer folks live by that no. you know yeah. so it's like support <laughs> support yeah Every, like just be supportive yeah. of people in your life that are living in their truth even if you don't necessarily agree with it as long as it's not like a moral issue, you know what I mean? Like, you can't decide to be a serial killer and expect me to support you in that. There is a line, you know what I mean? But just like, yeah, I think surrounding yourself with supportive people and people who support you want to see you win, you know? They want to see you. And people, especially for me, like someone who's going to be like, actually their pronouns are not she, her. Like when somebody does that, I'm like, you really like me. You know what I mean? Like, that's really sweet of you to do that. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's support. That's support. Thank you for sharing that. The couple times that I had fucked up your pronouns at work, I died inside. And really, like, took a, a minute to look and, and really question, like, okay, you know it's they, them, you know those are the pronouns. You're aware. You want to be respectful. What is it? that's making you yes it's conditioning so it was just like because I would think and I'd be like well when we first met Tracy had long hair so when it happened yeah. at that moment it was kind of like 
well, maybe they're long hair. Oh, but guy, but guys have long hair, uh, and girls have short hair, so that doesn't make any sense. Uh, maybe like the clothes. Nah, but anybody could wear any clothing. So like again, like clothing doesn't really have a gender, and right. so like really being like. I mean, my conclusion was it's just, it's that. It's condition and it's grammar. Like, just mm-hmm. gra- like grammatically, you just go into mm-hmm. what you're conditioned yeah. to use. Mm-hmm. Because when I, even if I try to figure out, it's like, well, no, because that doesn't apply because anybody could be mm-hmm. anything that they want to be. Right. So like it's just being week, mindful of that. Yeah, and like next week, I could be like, actually, my pronouns are she, her. Right. God damn it. If I yeah. wanted to, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It all depends on how I'm feeling, you yeah. know what I mean? And, like, there are even instances in my life where... <laughs> I don't know if this is TMI, but no, <laughs> there have been instances... <laughs> there have, like, been instances in my life where, you know, I have, like, been engaging in, like, BDSM-type activities mm. where I don't mind being called a good girl. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's really dependent on <clears throat> the situation. Yeah. I can't, like, not all, anybody can't just be, like, good girl to me. But, like, no, that's, that is a boundary or a limit. And that would be something that would be discussed, right. you know? And so I think that also goes to show that, like, you can do what the fuck you want. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. No. If you want someone to call you a dog during sex or a dog when y'all are at the grocery store, it don't yeah. fucking matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's whatever. It's what I prefer. Yeah. And this is what makes me feel good in this situation, like 99% of the time when I'm out and about, they, them, he yeah. matches my spirit. Yeah. And like, the thing is, is like, there's definitely been times where I'm like, am I a they, them, he though? Like, is that really what I'm going? Like, mm-hmm. is that really me? But I absolutely know that I, my pronouns are they, them, he, when someone says ma'am and someone says she mm-hmm. and someone says her or someone says princess or something like that. And I'm like, yeah. that doesn't feel right. Ugh, princess. I'm like that. That doesn't feel right, you know, like that doesn't resonate with me, queen, mm -mm. you know, like princess, queen, baby girl, like I get what you're saying. I hear the sentiment behind it, but there are other words you can use that make sense for me. You know what I mean? Like that ain't it. Yeah. With that being said, my fallback is always, or or just, I'm so used to saying, oh, you guys, hey, you guys, Mm -hmm. guys, even to like my girlfriends. Mm -hmm is that one that I should just eliminate at this point? Should I, should I just go straight to like y'all and folks and everybody and like, cause guy, it like, it just literally bloop, falls right out. I 100% hear what you're saying because I sometimes say you guys as well. Me personally am not offended by the term guys, probably because it comes off as a pretty masculine mm-hmm. word in the first place. I also don't, or I'm not quite on the same level of understanding as someone who would be offended by saying guys, I don't feel like guys is a gendered term, but mm-hmm. some people do. Mm-hmm. Therefore, yeah. yes, y'all and folks is probably better than guys. And I probably need to remember that myself. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and since I don't know who's going to be offended by me using the term guys, I might as well just use folks. Like, even yeah. when I'm typing, I tend to type F-O-L-X, which I don't even know why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to change the narrative with this letter. Like, the fuck? What are you talking about? You know? Oh, um, yeah. X being just like that variable for anything. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, y'all and folks is probably the easiest route to go because someone might be offended by guys. Yeah. You know? 
like for sure. But if I work walk up to a table, probably as a, at, when I was a server before, and I would walk up to a table, if it was a table of people that looked like women to me or what my idea of a woman was, I would say hi, ladies. Yeah. You know. And then in retrospect, I'm like, fuck, like that. What if? What if? You know. It was also in Ohio and very many years ago, so mm, I don't chances. know. Yeah, there's a chance that maybe nobody like was upset, but like. Now, if I was a server and I walked up to a table, you should never walk up and be like, hi, ladies. Hi, gentlemen. Yeah. Like, just hey, y'all. A server or a butt tender. Or a butt tender. tender. Yes, exactly. Like, butt tenders most definitely should never just gender someone based on what they look like. You have no clue what that person identifies as or what they prefer to be called. So just saying like, hey, you know, or if you know the person's name, you can always just use their name. Yeah. Period. Like... You can, like, you can always just be like, Tracy did this, Tracy did that. Mm -hmm. To, like, just get you out of the habit of using a gendered word at all. Like, yeah. my name is Tracy, which doesn't have a gender. It's just my name. Yeah. So, yeah, bud tenders, customer service folk, if you know their name and they're comfortable with you using it, use their name. If not, don't say hey, ladies, or hey, gentlemen. Yeah. Say hey, everyone, or just hi. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, we don't have to get too deep yeah, either. Like, like, you just be like, yo, what's up? Hey, Hi. What's up? What's up? What, what do you, you what do you want? Yeah. yeah. You <laughs> um, thank you for all of that. I appreciate that. Speaking of like stamps of approval, we can move into our next segment, which is called the re-up. And it's basically stuff that you personally enjoy, cannabis mm -hmm. things, um, that you would re-up on. Uh, so it's a little rapid fire. Okay, you ready? <laughs> Your favorite word for cannabis? All, already slow. Wow. <laughs> the overthinker that I am, I mean, I think I just say weed yeah. or bud. Like weed. Yeah. Weed. That's what I use typically. I don't think I think about it too much. No, just say weed. weed. Your favorite stoner movie? Mm, favorite stoner movie. Damn. I'm gonna, the first one that came to mind, it may not be my favorite, but it was the first one that came to my mind yeah. was Grandma's Boy. Yeah. Were we just talking about that the we other were. day? Yeah. Maybe that's why it came to mind. But like, Grandma's Boy is fucking ridiculous. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Like, ooh, yeah, that shit is silly. Yeah, that's one of my favorites for sure. But like, Friday is one of my favorite mm -hmm. stoner movies. Um, dang. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good enough, I think. Those are good. Yeah, those are good. Those are both excellent <laughs> options. Uh, your favorite music to listen to when you're stoned? I think that really depends on what mood I'm in mm. and, like, where I am in my life. Because, you know, because, like, I can remember back in the day, like, when I was in college and getting stoned and, like, doing psychedelics, I was trying to listen to, like, Tool. Mm. Right? So that's a totally different situation yeah. as opposed to now. Let's say I'm in the car and I'm smoking in the car and I'm bumping some shit. Like I'm probably listening to like hip hop. I'm trying to think, yeah. what am I listening to? We're not listening to the baby no more. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I love to listen to? Um, <laughs> Juicy J, like Ooh. Juicy J when you're fucking in the car smoking, yeah. buck nasty beat everybody. Listen to Juicy J's Buck Nasty Beat when you get <laughs> your earliest convenience, as loud as you can, in the car with the windows down. Yes, okay. Rolling through the neighborhood. Like, get you hype yeah. every time. I'm going to make whoever picks me up to go to the movies later. I'm doing yeah. it. We have to. Or 70s, well, 70s Japanese jazz. 70s Japanese jazz. I didn't even know that was a genre. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't give you any, like, specific 
artist's name. Oh, no? No, definitely <laughs> not. But, like, I will put it on 70s Japanese jazz radio and, like, let it ride. Wow. Like, I listen to that a lot when I'm at work. Holy shit. I wonder how it's different from American jazz. I mean, I don't, I don't know, really. I feel like sometimes it's a little more um, energetic at times. Mm. So, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, who? I don't know who made the playlist. I don't know who put that radio station together. But, I mean, it pops, you know? <laughs> it's for all of us to check out. Right. Some of your favorite cannabis products at the moment that you're really fucking with. Well, just last night I had some Cushy Punch. Cushy Punch mm. will forever be one of my favorite edibles. Um, I want to say it was an indica, and I think I had like 30 milligrams. I do remember waking up at like 1.30 in the morning and going and making a cheese sandwich. So uh, they work, Yeah. you know? I was like, what's going on? And I was just like, I need to eat something. But um, <laughs> I remember doing that. One product that I really love are uh, Breeze Spray. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites, like their thousand milligram Breeze Spray. Yeah. Hey now, hey now. One of my favorites was when I, I got that, when I got my wisdom teeth out and I couldn't smoke. And like, mm-hmm. literally like, I would do like five to six pumps of that and be fucking zoinked. Camino, what is it? They have a nighttime gummy. I can't remember. It's like midnight blueberry or something like that. That's one of my favorite indica gummies. I was just reading an article. I forgot where, but they were talking about a study that was done. And that, I believe, was the top selling gummy for, I think it was California's market. I don't know if it's, I mean, so many people out there suffering. They can't Mm -hmm. sleep. They can't sleep and they can't stay asleep. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, you know, I could plug like, you know, Wonder is a great yeah. can of beverage. Uh, Green Monkey, another d- tasty soda, yes. you know. The Baja Blast of weed drinks. There you go. The Green Monkey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. I do really enjoy Wonder. I really yes. enjoy the flavor of Wonder's yeah. drinks. They're yeah. really yummy. Yeah. Speaking of plugs, wow, it's like you're you're on it you're on it we'll move into our last segment which is call your plug this is your moment to plug any like social media stuff that you want people to follow anything that you might be working on one really great organization to follow and contribute to on the instagrams is an organization called black bloom which my partner and i worked with last summer i say my partner and i but it was really just sasha (laughs) um they they're an organically sun-grown uh cooperative of black marijuana farmers in los angeles so what they do is um they have I want to say that they have, you can grow it from seed as well, but they will bring the plants to you and you could either put them in the ground or you can put them in like the big like mesh baskets, you know? And that's what we did last year. We had three plants um, and they got up to be like well over six, seven feet tall for sure. Um, And the the bud that we just finished, we had two mason jars full of the weed from some of the stuff that got harvested from those plants. And so it was really dope to like, watch them grow but let me let me say the it's called black bloom so black b-l-a-c-k and then bloom with five o's i had to close one eye to figure that out (laughs) uh so it's black and then bloom with five o's so yeah their their whole point is you know giving these plants to black folk you know what i mean like letting them grow the medicine and showing them how to do it so that they can take pride in it because Mm -hmm. it's something that black folks definitely need to know um in general so they're a great organization to follow and keep up with. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones that I really fucks with yeah. right now. 
Well, I can plug my own. And we haven't done anything with it recently, but like Sasha and I, we love to camp, right? Mm. And some years ago, while we were camping, we were like, why don't we ever see like other black people camping? Mm. Why don't we ever see other brown people camping? Why is it so, like we, you see it, but it's definitely not as prevalent, yeah. right? And so we decided to, to start a group that holds seasonal camping trips for people of color. And it's simply called POC Camp. And that's the Instagram. It's POC underscore camp. And so especially before quarantine started, I want to say we were doing like maybe two a year. We did. I want to say we did four trips total. And each time we would have like 30 plus people come. Um, we went to... Ojai, we've gone to the Kern River, we went to Joshua Tree, and it's basically a safe space for people of color to come together with other people of color to camp, especially those who've never camped before, because people are always like, camping's for white people, you right. know what I mean? And it's like, actually, it's for everybody. I don't know the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> um, so it's really great for folks who've never camped before to, to feel safe, yeah. to camp, you know, with this group of people of color, you know, that most likely are into the same things that you're into, you know, and also meet other people of color that like to camp. So now you know that, like, maybe you have a camping buddy, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's been really cool to do that. Hopefully, like, I don't know about this year, we were talking about it, but also, like, things are getting weird again with COVID and just, yeah. like, events in general. So hopefully we'll be able to start that up again next year and, like, put together more trips for people and stuff uh so that they can experience camping and obviously it's not just for beginners you know if you even if you've camped before and you love camping it's great to you know even to do better that. exactly yeah. you know and it's like we pretty much get the campsite and we we typically had we had a sliding scale of ticket prices i don't know what our format will be when we you know yeah. when this progresses and stuff like that but it's something that we really really believe in like mm-hmm. black folks camping yeah brown folks camping just people of color being outside in mother nature sasha just came back from a solo camping trip on thursday and also like solo camping you know like black folks don't want to be out in the woods because bad things happen to black folks in the woods a long time ago so they're not really interested and so it's important that we take these things that we dig and make an example of it and be like no but you can do this too like you can go get your camping gear and you can set it up all by yourself and start this fire and enjoy this nature. And it's also nice to show people when people are like, so what do you do when you go camping? It's so boring. And it's like, actually, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Let me show you. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So I think that one's just at POC underscore camp on Instagram. That sounds sick. I mean, that just sounds like a really dope community yeah. to create. And like, yeah, share the magic of nature. Right. Exactly. I, I'll admit, I immediately was like, oh, that sounds cool. I want to do it. And then I was like, no, <laughs> no, camping sit is down, time. sit down. No, I love camping, but I'm not trying to invade your POC camping oh, is what well, I mean. Well, I'm like, you camping. sound, this sounds great. Like, maybe I want to fucking do We can go camping another time. Yeah. Exactly. Right. That's what you have to remind yourselves, white people. You can do it another time. Right. It, yeah. We Take a seat. We've had people like, you know, DM or email and be like, hey, like, I want to go, but my partner's white. Can they come? And we're like, no, no, they can't. This is no, this isn't for white people. This is for people of color only. And while we respect your relationship, like, why can't they respect that you want to do this on your own right now? 
there's other people here. Mm-hmm. It's cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, someone's white partner not understanding why there is this space that's just for people of color. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you not understand why it's important for people of color to have just their own spaces or queer folks to have just their own spaces? Right. But then you get the, the you know, coming back at you with like, well, I mean, then what would you say though if white people had their own space? And it's like, but y'all have had they your do. own space. Like, yeah. It's called the fucking world. Exactly. Like, are you really that dense? Oh my God. When yeah. people say that, and it's like, well, what if we had a white history day? And I mean, you mean every, every day, day of the year? Yeah. Every literally. fucking day of the year, it's white history year. Yeah. Every day. So yeah. don't tell me that having 28, maybe 29 days is really pissing you off like that, my guy. No. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah no no the fragility no i got it i got yes, it exactly. i understand like really yeah no no um so yes i i i hope that comes back for everyone else to enjoy because right. that sounds yeah. phenomenal yeah. it sounds like a really really cool time yeah it is it'll it'll come back it exactly yeah, it'll come it back uh did you want to plug yourself do you want to plug hotline do you want to plug i mean you're in pr now baby what like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to plug my own Instagram. I'm sure you'll put it up anyway or something like Will that. I? But I don't know. Don't make me do that. That's weird. No, no that. but Hotline Agency, at Hotline Agency, is a Black-owned, queer-owned uh, PR agency, creative agency that works with cannabis, spirits, like beverages, and like a couple other things, too. Yeah. Um, we've taken on some pretty dope clients. Yeah. We're lucky enough to be able to sample can of beverages and, and weed and, and fucking gin yes. and rosé all the time. So good. Yeah, you'll just have to come into the office and like... I mean, I'm always available. I want to be an external source. Right. Like, don't, you know, write me off just yet. Rest, exactly. You know? yeah, it's just sure. a shift. It's a shift. I mean, I'm, uh, I've yeah. definitely been putting my friends on those influencer lists. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, I happen to have friends who have a lot of followers yes. who sometimes match these aesthetics, you know? Yeah. So it's like, would you like a bottle of rosé? Okay, please be on the lookout for a DM from Hotline Agency. Yes. Appreciate it. I did it last night to two friends of mine. And one of them was like, oh my God, yes, most definitely. And the other one just immediately started following Hotline. And I was like, well, hope they pick you because if they don't, I'm gonna feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for yeah. sure. And the, I mean, the dope ass clients, the beautiful images, Tracy does such a great job with every single post. I feel like they're always relatable, or at least if I'm your audience, you're, you're nailing it. Like if I'm the target audience, you got it for sure. Yeah. Good, good. Glad that, that everybody's enjoying the content out there. Also though, James Hickey has a lot of input in the hotline agency uh, Instagram for sure for sure (laughs) I feel like I know when it's a James post 100% yeah I love it shout out to James um thank you so much for being here I had a great time it was great to see you even after your last day at hotline yes and also you live in Koreatown which is my old stomping grounds and it's nice to be back in the neighborhood (laughs) thank you for telling all my stalkers where I live no I'm kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding (laughs) shit I don't know. (laughs) No one cares. I'll tell you right now. Nobody cares. Thank you for listening to another episode of That Bud Tender Podcast. Follow me at The Stone Journalist. Follow the show at That Bud Tender Podcast. Like, share, subscribe, and keep getting high, my babies.